Good morning. Special good morning to Quakertown. I miss you all. I will see you after the service. I will be there and uh, hopefully still like shake your hand and uh, hang out a little bit. I made a startling discovery a couple years ago. I was making breakfast for my kids and I thought it would be fun if I played some of the cartoon theme songs from the Saturday morning cartoons that I watched as a kid. So I grabbed a little Bluetooth speaker, grabbed my phone, um, and was, I was you know, playing these songs for them. And the startling discovery that I made is I remember so many of the words. I remember an alarming amount of the words. It, it, it gets concerning because it's like, what do I not currently remember? Because I remember that. And there's no way that this is just me, right? There's no way I'm the only one. And so let me, let's just see if these jog your memory, All right? These are a couple, couple of my favorites from childhood. So take a listen to this. See if it sounds familiar. You can tell what it is. Bouncy. Life is like a it's got a nice little synth beat there. Maybe it's like Green Bell yet. It's a duck blur. Duck blur. That's just Might lazy rhyming. DuckTales, that's right. That's right, DuckTales. Good job, all right. If you got DuckTales, score yourself one point. Uh, let's try this one. I mean, this is 80s power ballad written all over it. And friendly with stories to share. All the guy singing this has long flowing hair. He has Marching along as their song feels... I heard it back here. Gummy bears. Yeah, gummy bears. Yeah, that's right. A cartoon about a candy. That's right. And that's a weird one. Like they make a secret juice that makes them bounce. That's weird. That's weird. All right, last one. Last one. This one's catchy. I guarantee you, some of you are going to go play this on your car ride home. This is going to stick in your head. Sometimes, some crimes go slipping through. All right, is it coming to you? Gumshoes is a case. There's no case too big. There's no case too small. When you need help, just call. I hear it. Chit 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 chip and dales. Rescue Rangers. That's right. That's right. Now listen, if you got those three right, congratulations. Uh, you have the same weird memories from childhood I do. If you did not get any of those right, congratulations. You're probably a more well-adjusted person than me. Congratulations. Those things are memorable. We all have different things, those different songs, those earworms that stick with us. They're eerily memorable, right? I remember what those songs were about and those songs remind me of a show that reminds me of a time, which reminds me of a place. And pretty soon there's nostalgia all over everything. Songs have those kind of power for us. Music can do that for us. And when we think about this time of the year, when we think about Christmas, there's truth in the Christmas carols we sing. There's great truth in these songs. With the, in, with the increasing access that we have to more and more stuff from people, our worship music changes over faster than at any other point in history. But Christmas carols, there's sticking power with those things and we remember them. We remember them. 
It's crazy how songs I haven't sung in years, if I hear it again, I can start singing that. Music can do those things for us. And we're going to look at a song this morning, a song we just sang, Angels We Have Heard on High. Now, this song has a fascinating history. The words that we sing come from a songbook that was published in 1916, but that wasn't where it started. That version comes from the first English version that was written in 1862 by James Chadwick, who was a bishop in England. But that too was not where the song started. James Chadwick based his song on a French song, first published in 1855. So this is like like some 19th century sampling going on here. James Chadwick based it on the French song called Les Anches de Nous Campagne. And if you don't think I spent 20 minutes on Google Translate trying to get that French right, you're crazy. (laughs) I don't know any of those words. There's an old story around this song. The song seems to have been used in churches more than 50 years before it was published. And so there's this old story about where it came from, that it's rooted in tradition. That one Christmas Eve, the story goes, French shepherds in the 18th century stood in their pastures with their flocks and sang out the chorus of this song. What's cool about that is it's not the first time in excelsis Deo or glory to God in the highest would be heard in the fields. It comes directly from the story that this song is written from. In Luke chapter 2, verse 8, is where we're going to find this story rooted. If you've got a Bible, you can turn there with me. We're going to look at verses 8 to 20, but we're going to look at it in two parts. This section starts out, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. That's a sign because that was not typical at this time. That was not something that normally happened. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Sometimes we can look at a story and just be like, sure, I've heard that, that's great. But like, this is a real thing that happened to real people. A multitude of angels shows up, right? The shepherds are out there doing their thing and a multitude of angels shows up. The skies were filled with this this angel choir, If they were scared before, how do they feel now? It went from essentially, think of it, it's it's nighttime, right? So it went from being pitch black to like as bright as the surface of the sun in like 0.5 seconds. Imagine what it must have been like for the shepherds. Imagine what it must have been like. They're hanging out in the fields. They're watching their animals, the same thing they do every day. Maybe they're sitting around a campfire to stay, stay warm. Maybe they're passing around jerky. Maybe they're telling the same jokes they've told a hundred times. I don't know. But at this point of the night, boredom probably sets in. The, the boredom of routine. They're just kind of zoned out as they're making sure that their sheep don't wander off or that some crazy animal doesn't come in. And then an angel shows up. An angel just shows up out of nowhere. Just shows up, right? and gives them this news and, and talks to them. It says some crazy stuff that they, they don't, 
have no frame of reference for it. They're like, wait a minute, what, like, what is this going on? They weren't anticipating this. And then suddenly there's not just the one angel, the sky is filled with angels. There's too many to count and they're singing. Praise Now, I know we can do a lot of cool things as a church, but that's not an actual recording of the angels, so. But imagine what that must have been like. Their brains must have exploded. You got no frame of reference for this. If I'm there, that's the point at which it's like, uh, I need to go change my robes because I seem to have soiled myself. Like that, how would you even wrap your brain around what just happened? There's something significant that we can take from this encounter. The first thing we're going to look at this morning is this idea. Worship like an angel. Worship like an angel. Now, what are angels? What are angels? Well, we have an interesting conception of angels, right? For some of us, angels, we think of like a short, dumpy little squat guy in a diaper that shoots arrows possibly around Valentine's Day. And let's be honest, that diaper does not give him enough coverage. He is like hanging out in the back. And for others of us, angels, we think of guardian angels, these sort of winged beings that follow us around and pull us out of traffic and generally look out for us. And any time a bell rings, another angel gets their wings. Well, angels are, are real beings, so who are they? Well, angels are heavenly beings. They're servants of God, created by God, and used by God to care for and to minister to people and often to communicate his message to people. That's who angels are. Angels' whole existence revolves around God. Their whole existence revolves around God. And so this angel that shows up and talks to the shepherds, he's speaking, this angel's speaking truth. This angel's speaking truth to them. Truth that pointed to love and hope and peace and faithfulness, that God was doing what he promised he would do. This angel brings this powerful, encouraging message that the, the plan that God has put into motion really before the beginning of time is beginning to come to fulfillment through his son. The angel literally pointed to Jesus. He didn't just metaphorically point to Jesus and talk about this great message of hope. He literally pointed to Jesus, an appropriate use of the word literally. He said, go find this baby. Let me tell you how to find him. Because this baby is good news of great joy for all people. Good news of great joy for all people. So that's who angels are. What's worship? What's worship? Often we think in a church context, worship is, you know, okay, it's singing, right? Sing music is worship. And that's certainly true, but worship is more than that. True worship is seeing God as more valuable than anything else. True worship is seeing God as more valuable than anything else. Because what we worship is what we value. Worship results in a changed heart and changed actions. The thing we worship changes us. Worship reorients our heart towards the object of our worship, right? What we worship has our hearts. And the angels are worshiping. 
The angels are worshiping in a beautiful, powerful way that just draws these shepherds in. And, and that's significant because angels are very, very impressive. One of the first things that angels regularly have to say when they show up in the Bible is do not be afraid, right? The shepherds are terrified. We see that in the text. They were terrified. But the angel says, do not be afraid like he forgot to put away his flaming sword or something. You got, you, you imagine, angels have to start to develop a complex. They show up, they're like, I come to bring you. Okay, don't be, seriously, don't be afraid. It's just, no, it's good. I promise, it's good. And in a way, I can kind of identify with angels that way. I am very tall and I have a beard and I'm loud. And so generally when I meet small children, they are terrified. Even when I'm like, hey, I just, I'm a normal guy. I have four kids of my own. They're like, mom. And I, after a while, you're like, I'm not a terrible person. And then my wife's like, why are you shouting at a four-year-old? It's like, fair, okay. That's fair. That's fair. Angels are seriously impressive beings, but God is more impressive still because the angels in their worship, they worship something greater than themselves. They worship something greater than themselves. Do you? Do you worship something greater than yourself? Here's the harsh truth if we're honest with ourselves. We often worship ourselves. We often think about our needs first, our wants first, our life first. We are the center of our universe and our story is built around us. The pursuit of our well-being, of our desires, of our wants, of our happiness, that's the way we build our life. We worship ourselves. What does it look like to worship something greater than ourselves? Because the angels did, and creation does as well. Creation worships something greater than itself. Think of the first line of the song. Angels we have heard on high, sweetly singing o'er the plains. And o'er is playing fast and loose with the English language there. And the mountains in reply, echoing their joyous strains. So it's like, okay, so we have a singing mountain in the first verse of this song. Interesting choice. But this singing mountain idea is not as crazy as it sounds. Creation worships God. We see this throughout the Bible. Just two examples. Isaiah 49, 13 says, Sing for joy, O heavens. Rejoice, you earth, burst into song, you mountains, for the Lord comforts his people and will have compassion on his afflicted ones. Burst into song, you mountains. Isaiah 55, 12 says a similar idea. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song before you and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. There's something powerful about what the angels sang. Glory to God in the highest because they're worshiping something greater than themselves and really all creation worships something greater than themselves. When we choose not to, we're the outlier. We're the outlier to that. <clears throat> Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on, the, 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 to those on whom his favor rests. That's the message that, that's brought. There's something powerful about how God's glory and his experience of it does something meaningful. It brings peace. God's glory and the experience of it brings peace. We're invited into that peace. Now, if we made a list of all the things we really want in life, I don't know how high peace would be up on that list. I mean, world peace is good. Nobody's gonna not say world peace. Like, sure, world peace. Want people to be nice to each other and not be terrible. Like, 
peace is good, but my list would probably have different stuff if I was honest. My list would probably have stuff like success. Like I, I want to be loved. I want to be valued. I want to be significant. I want to matter. Like those would be the things that I would say. And there definitely would be a new pair of shoes somewhere on that list. But if I think about it, if I really reflect on it, peace is really what I long for. And not just peace in my home, although as a parent of four small kids, I would love to get some of that peace. Not just peace with others, not just peace in relationships, but peace in my soul. That peace sounds really appealing. Because when we sin, we fall short of God's standard. And when we do that, we, we tear our souls in a way. There's pain in us that we can't heal. There's pain in us that we can't make go away on our own. And we carry that with us. And it poisons us from the inside out and it sits on our heart. And we, we can feel in our quiet moments the toxicity that build up. We feel shame deeply. We often get defensive when our flaws are pointed out because we're well aware of it. It's, it, it's raw for us. The peace that God offers is freedom from that pain. From the things that we hate about ourselves, from the things that poison us from the inside out. That peace, that's the peace that's talked about. And that peace was now on earth in a newer and realer and more tangible way than ever before because Jesus was now on earth in this story. Because peace is not a thing to be experienced, but a person to know. Peace is not a thing to be experienced, but a person to know. It's Jesus. Jesus is that peace. And the angel is pointing towards God's plan is saying, peace is now available in a new way because my son is here. That's certainly good news for all people. So after the angels show up, after the angels worship, and we see this picture, the story continues. It says, when the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about, which sounds way too casual for me. Like, how is there not more screaming here? Maybe Luke just picked it up after that. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. What's interesting about this right here, all right? God's son comes to earth and who does he tell first? Shepherds. Luke spends 12 verses talking about the shepherds here. They're referenced 23 times in this section. You know what theme you're supposed to pick up here? Shepherds. Luke's just like screaming it. Shepherds. The shepherds are important. So what's the significance of the shepherds? Well, they're social outcasts. They were... They were considered low in this culture. They were really right above lepers and lepers had a contagious flesh-eating disease. So you know you're on the outs of, of your society when there's contagious flesh-eating disease and then you, and it's like real close. 
They were considered unclean. They were considered untrustworthy. They couldn't testify in court because they weren't considered to be reliable. They were unlikely. God chose to share the news of his son with the marginalized, with the socially unacceptable people on the fringes of society who couldn't be trusted. But man, they surely transcended their social status on this night. I love that message. We need to be encouraged by that because we are all broken sinners. We've all fallen short of God's standard. And what that does is give hope to us that if God would reach out to those people, then he would reach out to me too. So if we're gonna worship like an angel, the second thing I want us to take away is live like a shepherd. Live like a shepherd. Feel free to shower. I'm not saying don't do that. But live like a shepherd because there's two things they did here that are really, really significant. And the first is this, they recognized what happened. They recognized what happened. They saw it, they experienced it, they recognized that this was a moment. To help them believe, God gave them a sign. I mean, they knew something crazy had happened. So they recognized that this was a moment, but they didn't just stop there. They didn't just stop there. They didn't try and explain it away. They didn't say this must have been a comment, maybe some natural event, maybe just some bad hummus they all had earlier. Like they didn't give rationale for this. They engaged in the moment and they didn't look for reasons to disbelieve. How do we recognize Jesus for who he is? How do we recognize when God's at work? Are we chalking everything up to happenstance? Is everything coincidence? Do we really believe that we can control everything in our lives? Now, I don't know that any of us would say that out loud, but what's the functional reality of the way that we live? Do we think we can control everything that's going on around us? How can we see the unseen hand of God at work? Recognizing starts with a willingness to be moved from where we are to where God wants us to be to begin to take ourselves out of the the main seat of our story, to begin to move or worship off of ourselves and onto something and someone greater. Because we've all experienced Jesus in some way. We've all experienced Jesus in some way. If you don't believe me, for starters, you're here. Or you're in Quakertown, or you're watching online. Like you're here. You're, you showed up here in some, for some reason. And unless you're kidnapped, then Jesus has, you've encountered him in some way. And if you're kidnapped, blink twice and we'll send you help. Just like rub your, you know, rub your nose. You're here. We can know that God deeply loves people, that people matter to God more than we can possibly imagine. We can know that God has shown himself to people through creation and through the Bible and ultimately here through Jesus. God has shown himself in all these different ways because God wants us to know him. God's not hiding and hoping we figure it out. God's not putting us through this torturous process to try and discover him somewhere so that we've sort of earned it somehow. God is saying, I have tried to show up in every possible way that I can. Can you see me for who I am? Can you listen to me? Can you stop running away? God wants us to know him. All of us have experienced Jesus in some way. Some of us have that experience and embrace it and engage in it. 
Some of us have that experience and don't understand it and don't know where to go next. And some of us reject it altogether. What's holding you back from knowing Jesus? And I don't mean you, everybody in this room. I mean, what's holding you personally back? What's holding you back from knowing Jesus, from recognizing Jesus for who he is, from surrendering more to Jesus? What's holding you back? The shepherds didn't just recognize that this was a moment, though. They responded. They acted. They went. They shared. And I love that because sometimes we find it deeply intimidating to talk about Jesus with other people. It's like, well, I don't have every answer. Well, it's like, listen, I got bad news for you. I don't either. But nowhere in the Bible do you see that you must know absolutely every answer to every question before you can talk about Jesus. These guys, there's no way they know. They heard from the angels approximately two minutes ago. And they went and talked about what they had experienced. They didn't know or understand everything, but they, they knew enough. They knew enough. And they wanted to know more. They wanted to see. They didn't stop and say, that's enough for one night. I'm good. Yeah, we'll pick this up tomorrow and see who else shows up. They responded. They did it immediately. I love that we see that in the story. When the angels had left them, the shepherds said, let's go to Bethlehem. And so they hurried off. They went right away. They went right away. They did it immediately, in the dark, without getting cleaned up, with no delay. They went with haste. These are guys who were at work, out in the fields, hanging out with animals. They didn't stop to grab a bite to eat. They didn't shower. They didn't change their clothes. They just went. They just went. There was no time to chicken out or rationalize what they had seen. That's a truly incredible response, considering what they had just been through, right? I mean, after a good movie or a particularly compelling episode of television, I need like a good 20 minutes to decompress before I can move on. And you imagine seeing this thing that you just saw and they just went. It didn't matter how they showed up. It just mattered that they showed up. And that's how God wants us to come to him right away, right in this moment, with no delay, without worrying about how you look or whether or not you have it all figured out. The shepherds had some sense that this wasn't just for them. This wasn't just news for them to have personally. They went and shared they spread the word concerning what had been told to them. And people were blown away, not because of their rhetorical style, not because they had all the answers, but because of the power of the story. These guys weren't experts, right? They weren't, they weren't shepherding part-time to put themselves through rabbinical school. They shared what they knew and people responded. They're some of the first evangelists in the New Testament. You don't have to know everything. You just have to know Jesus. There's two ways here of looking at, at the inadequacy of the shepherds. Because there's some of us here this morning that feel that way. Like, I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. I don't know enough. Like, who am I? Like, man, I barely get this. Like, my life's a mess. Like, I don't know. There's two ways to look at this. The first is that the angel appearing to them shows that they're not inadequate that God's love for them gives them value, that they may not have value socially, culturally, but God gives them value. 
I think the second way we can look at this is oftentimes a healthy sense of inadequacy, inadequacy is what it takes for us to stop depending on ourselves. Often what gets us in trouble is that we don't feel inadequate enough in some things. We're like, I got this. If you're driving down the highway with a mattress on top of your car and you're holding it down with one hand, you need a greater sense of inadequacy. How are you responding? How are you responding to God's work in your life? Whether you've been a follower of Jesus for 50 years or you just heard his name this morning for the first time, how are you responding? Are you waiting for more signs, more experiences before you respond to what God has already done for you? Are you waiting for God to reveal more or are you putting what you've experienced into action? This story has so much hope in it, so much hope. Hope is just like bleeding out the sides of this story. It reaches back to the beginning of time and it looks forward to the perfect forever that is coming. God's putting into motion the end stages of his plan to rescue people here. I love how Luke 19 talks about this. So later on in the book of Luke, there's some parallelism with this story. In verse 37, he says, when he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. He replied, if they keep quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. We see this parallelism in this story. The peace that was talked about, Jesus is bringing that peace as he heads towards the cross, the fulfillment of that message of peace, that the stones will cry out because this truth is just true. It's so true that creation shouts it out as well. The prophecies of the Old Testament are fulfilled in this moment with Jesus. And there's shepherd connections too. Moses was a shepherd. David was a shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd. Shepherds are significant, which gives us this hope that those on the fringes, those, the marginalized, those who, who maybe feel like we're not good enough, that God moves towards us. And the idea of the Messiah would have been something familiar to these shepherds. It's the promised rescuer, just not how they thought he would be. Jesus came not to rescue us from our enemies, but to rescue us from ourselves. And Jesus was treated worse than a shepherd, ultimately, even worse than their animals. The great shepherd became a lamb in order to be our sacrifice and our rescue. The message of the angels is that God wants you to know him so much that he's come all the way to you, all the way to you. That's how much you matter. The shepherds may have been an unlikely audience here, but so are we. So are we. We have our own hurts and baggage. We have our own stuff. So what's your next step this morning? What's your next step? If I could beg you something, it would don't come and listen to what we're saying and then just leave and let it, and let it kind of f fly out your other ear. And I need to be challenged with that too because this isn't just stuff we talk about. This is stuff that is transformational. I don't care that you remember anything that I say. What I hope you remember is the truth about God and that you would lean into him 
and understand more what it means to be known and loved by him. What are you worshiping in your life right now? What are you worshiping? Because true worship is seeing God as more valuable than anything else. My hope for you this week is the same for me. I needed to be challenged with this this week. How do I worship like an angel and orient my life around God? That I, I am a better me when I surrender more of myself to Jesus. And then how do I live like a shepherd and see where God's at work in my life, see what he's doing and respond to it? Would you bow your heads with me as we close? Father God, we thank you that you showed up in an unlikely way to unlikely people because that gives us hope. Would you speak to our hearts right now and help us to understand those things that we are worshiping instead of you, those things that we hold on to, where we find our meaning and value and worth. And would you pry our hands off of that, Lord? Would you pry mine as well? Help us to see where you're at work in our lives and help us to respond to that. Father, we thank you that we can celebrate at this time of the year your great love for us as shown through your son entering into the world on our behalf. We are so grateful. We pray this in your son's precious name. Amen.